Uh, first of all, the blaspheming needs to stop now. Uh, with I wasn't at Genesis. Jack might have been, but um, all right. To get things rolling, I I want I want you guys to know that I um, I'm I'm very excited to be here. I really am, and I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out what it is that that God's laid on my heart for this. For me to express the excitement and for you to kind of reciprocate that excitement, I am a child of the 90s, the 1990s, the 1900s. That, I, was, I had somebody actually reference that. They said, you were alive in the 1900s? And I said, you say that again, I'm going to punch you in the face. But I was, I, w- I was born actually in 1982, and so I was kind of a child of the 80s, but really the 90s were the best decade, and, and I will fight you on that. <coughs> and, and Zach and I both will fight you on that. But there was a phenomenon during the 90s, actually during the, the 80s and the 90s, and it actually went even older than that. <coughs> but it's a thing, uh, and it still goes on now, but it's, it's just not the same. Um, it, it's a thing called pro professional wrestling. Um, and, and at that time, in the 90s, there was, there was one particular wrestler who had a, I don't even know if you want to call it a, a, a catchphrase or a tagline, but it was, it was more of a, just a noise. Um, his nickname was the Nature Boy. It was a guy by the name of Ric Flair. Um, the, the noise that he would make is simply a big woo. So what I like to do when I start messages, and I get to speak with, um, within my role with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, is I get to uh, speak with teams and, and, and coaches and so on. And so what I always like to kind of get myself hyped up with and, and I like to try to participate is we're going to do what we like to call a two-clap in a Ric Flair. So if you're not going to do it, Zach will find you and he will bench press you like you said before. Um, so I, I, that's what I just need the, the excitement from you all, okay? So if you're on your phone, put it away for right now. You can get it out when I'm talking later on because I'm going to really try not to be boring. But if you are, close it up. All right, so we're going to do two claps and a Ric Flair. All right, I'm going to say two claps and a Ric Flair, and then you're going to, whoo, all right? Are there any questions as to what I'm asking to do? It's not too difficult. It is 10, 11 in the morning, so hopefully you've had some coffee. Hopefully you've had a little bit of uh, ready to go. All right? Yes, questions? Okay. You're seeing hands already. That's great. All right. So, two claps and a Ric Flair. Everybody got it? All right, here we go. Ready? Two claps and a Ric Flair. Okay, we can do better than that. I know that there's some people over here that didn't do it. All right? Here we go. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Ready? I heard a lot more over here this time. All right, hey, thank you for, for at least um, helping me with that. I appreciate it. So, okay, what we're talking about here, um, and, and this was the, the series for the year, um, it's Jesus is. And, and so as I was thinking about, okay, what is it that, what, how can I relate things that I've done, previous talks that I've given so I don't have to come up with anything new or anything that I've read, how can I tie that into what I want to relate to these, um, this awesome crowd this morning? And it's something brand new for me. And, and so I, I don't necessarily have a, a great title to roll with it. And Zach said, well, how would you finish that sentence? And so here's how I'm going to say it. Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. And so anytime I think about that, um, it, it takes me back again to the greatest decade of, the, of all time, the 1990s. And there was a, um, there was a football coach that played a, a team that was dominant in the 90s and in his press conference, he got all mad because they kept asking him questions about, did you prepare like you thought and all these other things? And he slams the podium and says, they are who we thought we were. And so I always think about that 
Is, it who we, is, is Jesus who, he, who we think he is? Are the people that we're around, is, is it really who, who they think, um, who we perceive them to be? One of the greatest theologians of all time, Popeye the Sailor Man, in 1933 had the greatest quote, and he said, I am who I am. That's it. I am who I am. All these things throughout the book of the Bible we see Jesus represented from Genesis all the way through Revelation. He swims in the pages of every single page that we flip. He's, he's not necessarily mentioned by name in the Old Testament, but he is there. He's not necessarily mentioned by name after the Gospels, but he's there. Everything about the book, uh, the, the, the word of God is Jesus-centric. And so what, what I was looking at is like, what, what can we say about these things? And I figured up we're going to look at the seven I am statements of what Jesus said. And so all, all throughout really the book of John, through the, the, the Gospel of John, we have these, these statements. And before I get to them, A.W. Tozer, who was actually a great Christian theologian, said what comes to our mind when we think about Jesus is the most important thing about us. And so everything hinges on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the very first one, he said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 6, 35, it says this, Jesus, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus is our sustainer. And looking at me, you can tell I've never missed a meal. I haven't. Matter of fact, I kind of double up sometimes. Jesus is, you know, and, and I think about that, I'm like, how much I love food, how much I love to, what that represents, being at a table with people and, and sharing fellowship. I think about it like Jesus is the bread of life when, and, and it says, um, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. I'm reminded in the Gospels to where um, Jesus fed the 5,000. And, and the one that, that's kind of been reverberating in my mind for the last, I don't know, a few weeks has been the, the account of Mark. And in Mark chapter 9, um, you know, we're talking about, the, again, the feeding of the 5,000. And the, the apostles are like, Jesus, we've been here a long time. It's, getting to, it's beginning to get dark. That means it's getting to be about the time for supper. Before this crowd, this mob, becomes a mob, and they get hangry, let's send them out to eat. Right? Let's kind of send them on a good note because, you know what, you, you've done a lot of preaching Let's send them out. He says, no, you, you take care of them. He's like, okay, well, then do you want us to go into the city and buy some food? Now, what they were thinking was, they said, you know, we could, we could go use uh, 200 denarii worth of food. Now, at that time, that was about a half a, half a, a year's salary. So it wasn't like they were just going to go into town and grab a few Happy Meals. They are like going to buy up the entire McDonald's. But they were thinking practically. They were thinking, these people are hungry. I'm hungry. Let's go into town and let, let, let's, let's let these people be fed. But Jesus said, well, what do you have? What is it that you have that we can feed them with? And hopefully you know the story. They said we have two loaves, or we have two fish and five loaves of bread. He says, okay, let me do my Jesus thing here. Let me bless it. And then separate them into groups of 50 and 100 put them in the green, the green areas within this desert place, and then let's feed them. <clears throat> the thing that I love about the end of that particular story is that it says they were all satisfied. Now, I'm not talking like one of those things to where you leave the cafeteria and you're like, 
That was good. I could have had more. I'm talking about going to a Chinese food buffet, eating until you almost have to have a wheelbarrow to get yourself rolled out. And again, I, yes, I'm talking from experience. You are satisfied. You don't want it. If you look at food, you're going to be like, nope. Right? Y'all ever been that, that full before where like, you look at food and you're like, I'm not going to do that. It's like having Thanksgiving every meal. The, the feeding of the 5,000, again, it says that was just men. So you can probably triple that to the amount of people that he actually fed. And so Jesus is our sustainer. He provides for all of our needs, which is why every day you have something and you have food and you have water to drink. You know, it, it's, it's kind of become a, hopefully, a habit for you before a meal to give thanks for that meal. It doesn't have to be a long five-minute sermon or anything like that, but it's just thank you for this meal. Thank you for preparing, or for the, for the hands that have prepared it. Thank you for the opportunity to enjoy it with people. It's just giving thanks for the things that he's given us. He's given you this day. Psalm 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He has, he has sustained you enough to give you another day. So my prayer for myself, for my family, for you all, is that when your feet hit the floor, you're thankful for the day. Now, you might be doing it really, really quick because you might be showing up late for class, and I hope that you're thankful for that day. He sustains us. He loves us. He is our bread of life. The second one says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus is our illuminator. From John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I was talking with my wife yesterday because um, she had a friend that was in a, was in a school and the lights went off and she was all, all kinds of scared. And I said, you know the scariest place to be when the lights are off? A church. That is the weirdest thing in the world. You should be like, oh, it's a church, you know, God's presence lives here and so forth. No. Especially old churches. They make the worst noises ever. And if you're the only one there, you start shouting, who made that noise? Like God's going to say, oh, that was me, my bad. But when it comes down to it, it's like either you're, you may not know where you're going and you bump into stuff. I have so many stubbed toes from, from hidden objects that, you know, I didn't know were there. But the most fun I ever had as a kid was playing hide and seek in a church at a lock-in. Like the ultimate bad word for a youth pastor, lock-in. I think, I think Zach just got me. That's right. But it's one of those things where if you don't have the light in front of you, you don't know where you're going. And there's no such thing as darkness. It's darkness is the absence of light. And so when you don't have the light of Christ and you're walking in darkness, you need that little flashlight to take you where you need to go. In John 3, 21 to 21, it says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. One of the weirdest, funniest stories, I guess, is Adam and Eve thinking that putting on fig leaves or putting on leaves and, and trying to hide from God that they could do that. What's done in the dark is seen in the light. 
What's done in the light is obviously seen in the light. But whatever you have, what you, and, and that's the thing is, I, I hope you all are old enough to know that whatever is done is seen. Now, it may not come out to, to knowledge of, of, of some people for a little while, but what's done behind closed doors, what's, what, what's, what's done um, individually, again, in the dark, whatever, it is seen. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, we step from the darkness into the light. There's a praise song from a few years ago that says, the marvelous light, you're stepping out of darkness into light. And that is such a great place to be. The darkness is a place of hiding and of fleeing from God. And when we hide the evil that we do, we, we refuse to accept that God is real and that ultimately we become accountable to him. See, when we try to hide it, we're like, you know what, if I'm not, if I stop the worship music while I do this, it's okay. Or if I'm not thinking about God while I do this, or if I do this sin and it's not on a Sunday, yeah, it's okay because that's God's day. I can sin any other day. I just came from church. I can feel good about myself. That is not the case. When we step into the light, when we have accepted Christ, he is the light of our world. The third one, Jesus said, I am the gate. In John chapter 10, 7 through 16, <clears throat> he says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come, came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Anybody else get caught up on that particular verse, by the way? I, I just want to take a little sidebar here. Steal, kill, and destroy. A lot of times I say steal, kill. It's actually kill. It's not kill. So the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus said again and again, I'm telling you the truth, not my truth. Um, he, he said, not my truth, not a truth, not one of many truths, but the truth. That is what Christ says, is that it's not, um, not my truth, not of, 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 of one of many, but it is I am the truth right here. <clears throat> the lie of the world relates to, this is self-sufficiency. And it is, I, I know a friend that was a... Um, uh, missionary in, in Turkey, and he said that there's these sheep's pens, and how they're set up is almost in a, um, a circular fashion, almost like a, um, a shell. And so it goes around, and so there's only one way in which the sheep can go in and out. And Jesus is the, the, the gate in here in a minute when he's talking about being the good shepherd. He says of him being the gate, he only let, he lets in the people, and when he does that, it says that um, they listen to him. That, they, that those who come in through me will be saved. So going through Christ being the gate, it's not on us, it's on him. Four, Jesus said that I am the good shepherd. Continuing on with chapter, uh, John chapter 10, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Verse 13, the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. So not only is he the, the gate of entry, but he also cares so much for the ones that are entrusted to him. You've all heard the story of the 99, the, the, the 99 and the 1. 
He loves them so much that he will leave the 99 to go find the one that, that wandered off for whatever reason. I think of this as a father. I have three children. And I've been, I've been in youth ministry for a, a number of years. I work in FCA now for 12 years. And I have a lot of people that I'm not necessarily entrusted to, but ones that, that I get to pour into. And so when I think about my own children, and then when I think about the, the youth groups that I've been in, uh, a part of, and then the, the huddles and the teams and all these other things that I've been able to be a part of, I think, would, do I actually care deeply? Am I a good shepherd to them? And when I compare myself to Jesus, absolutely not. But at the same time, I know this is something, I'm not, I'm not just some hired hand. God has entrusted me with my three children. He said, Aaron, you're in charge of these three children here on earth. They are mine, but I'm entrusting them to you for their time on earth. Be a good leader for them. Be a good shepherd. Be a good steward. Be a good role model for who they are. For your two daughters, show them the man that you want them to marry. For your son, be the man you want him to be when he grows up. That's a heavy task. But God, when, when, you, are, when you are a Christian, when you are a Christ follower, and you become a father, when you become a husband, that is what Christ charges you to do. It's no small feat. It's nothing to be taken for granted. Number five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five through 27, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though may he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. That's a promise that we have, that he is the resurrection of life. You see, when we, grow, we, know that, we know that we will inevitably grow old. Again, I told you I'm a child of the 90s. I look back on the 90s. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I see these things on social media, and I, I think I'd seen one just this morning that said, you know, the 1980s are about as far away now as it was when the 1980s were the 1940s. So it is ridiculous how far the age gap expands. And I, again, I said I was born in 1982, and so I look back on that, and I think of the 1990s literally as if they just happened. That was 30 years ago. Time continues to pass. We continue to get old. The thing about it is this. When we age on this earth, when we age in this life, our out, or at the end of the road, if you will, is death from this life. Unfortunately, death has a really, really good record. It's only got one loss. So if you're thinking you're going to beat it, good luck. <clears throat> we will all die and we'll all pass from this earth. But knowing that Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And so he asked the woman, he says, do you believe? So I ask each one of you, do you believe? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, and that's a big if. That's all he's saying is, if you believe, will you believe? Do you already, do you act like it? Or do you come to chapel and turn on your phone and not listen to what the preacher has to say? Or are you just here to get credit? Because if you are a Christian, act like it. I'm going to climb off my soapbox now. Number six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
John 14, 1 through 7 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the, w- and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas replies and says, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus replies with this in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Doubting Thomas. That's where we get the, that's one of the ways in which the, the phrase comes about, but <clears throat> he's the one that, that, doubted, that doubted Jesus when he came back from the resurrection. So he, again, he says this, but he's probably saying what a lot of people are, what the other apostles are thinking. Jesus, we, we have no idea. So he might have been the, the, the talking head. But Jesus replies and says, I am the way. He's like, Thomas, I've been with you for a long time. I've been with you. We've been discipling. We're doing all these things. I am the way. <clears throat> if you know the Father from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. The last I am statement, number seven, Jesus said that I am the true vine. Jesus is saying, remain in me, don't get lost. You've got to stay connected to me. So in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 4, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do, pr- that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. How do we remain in Christ? How do, how, how do we remain so that we will not become unfruitful, so that we become continue to be fruitful? The Word of God is living and breathing. This is your lifeboat. This is your life jacket, whatever you want to call it. This is your guide for everything you have in life. Cling to your Bible as if your life depended on it. Because it does. Cling to prayer because communication is the leading heartbeat of of your relationship with God. Getting into his word and having prayer, having that constant communication, those are the lifeblood of your relationship with God. No, it's not coming to chapel. No, it's not going to a, a mega church and going to all these other things and feeling all the excitement of the lights and, the, and the, the band and all these other things. Those are great. They're wonderful, all for the glory of Jesus. But if you don't have the true thing inside, if you don't have who he says he is and live by what he says he is, through his word and through prayer, it's all for naught. If we stay plugged into who Jesus is and who he says he is, we're going to do great things. So here we go. Three simple things. Jesus is God and man. He lived perfectly. He never sinned. He's our Savior. He died on the cross paying the debt that you owed for the sins that you've done over all of your life. Three, he resurrected from, resurrected from the dead and he's alive right now in heaven. And he is coming again. <clears throat> we believe that through Jesus' resurrection we are given life as well. We are born again by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is who he says he is. If you believe all, the, all, all seven of those I am statements, if you've read them and, and, and just kind of 
flip through it and you're like, I read the Gospel of John already, I just checked that box. But yet you don't let who, who Jesus says he is permeate who you're, what, your soul. If you don't take him to change from the inside out, the Hebrew word for, for the inner man is lev. He's talking about the inside. Because he references the heart. Don't let your heart be troubled. Love the Lord with all, your, with all your heart. He's not talking about the actual organ. He's talking about who you are on the inside. When Paul talks about it in Romans 12 where he says, renew your mind, he's talking about love. He's talking about who you are on the inside. A change of God is not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. We're seeing a lot of movement in this country right now of people that are, are experiencing God in such a way that's incredible. I've been following along as much as I can with, with things on Twitter and so on and so forth. And so if there's any, any bit of a doubt as to the fact that God is moving, I suggest just looking at a few things. But at the same time, if there's any doubt that evil is still existent, all you got to do is scroll Twitter even longer. So you have a decision right here, right now. Is it going to be life-giving or is it going to be life-sucking? Am I going to believe in the bread of life or am I going to take from it and I'm going to be of this world? And I pray that you've had that decision already. But I'm not naive enough to know that because you're at a Christian college, because you graduated high school, that you have. I've known far too many people that, that make that decision almost at the last moment. Jesus loves them. But I will tell you this, living a life that is of this world and consumeristic, it might be real fun right now. It might be one of those things where you live life and you're in the here and the now. Seize the day. I can tell you right now how you win the day is you live today because it is the day the Lord has given. Rejoice and be glad in it. Would you join me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. Thank you for this, this time spent this morning. Lord, we know that there are all these ways in which you reveal who you are. God, as it says in the, in the Gospel of John in the beginning, the word, the word became flesh. That was you, God. You were the one that, as we spoke it throughout the Old Testament, as we spoke it through the prophets, God, that you were the one that came in flesh. You were the one that came and, and lived amongst your people and then died for each one of us for the sins that we have committed, past, present, future. God, there are so many things that, that seem heavy, but God, at the same time, we know that you are one that takes it on your back. And so, Lord, I just pray that each person in this room, God, that if, if it is something that you have laid on their heart, God, that they would, they would see that, they would feel that, they would feel the spirit moving. And God, if they need to have a discussion, Lord, allow them to have that discussion. If they need to repent of some sin, God, myself included, Lord, to repent and to, to move on and to grow closer to you, Lord, I pray that that would be our action. And so as we leave this place, Lord, we pray that you would continue to guide our steps. You would continue to be the author and perfecter of our faith. God, you are so good, and we thank you for this day. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that is the charge I have for you. That is your benediction. Go like Christ.